The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. And first pitch, crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today. I'm not Frank Stamfel. Where in the world is Frank Stamfel? We do have Scott White, of course, because today is a huge day. 2023 Fantasy Baseball Awards. We have categories through the wazoo. I'm very excited about it. I will be hosting today. I'm Chris Welsh. Scott, this is like old school. This is like three or four years ago. Frank is somewhere in, is Frank safe? He's like in like Poland. Is he in Poland? I think he's in Poland. Yeah. Other side of the world. That's safe, right? He's okay. He's not going to, we're going to, we're going to get him back, right? (laughs) Yes. We I don't know travel. Be... I have no idea with travel. Yeah. I don't know um, what's going to happen with, with them. Yeah. No, this is like old old days. 20, 29, the fall of 2019. It was. Mm, yes. Like Chris a distant Welsh memory. And Scott White coming together to podcast. And, uh, you know, and then Frank came aboard. And then we've invited you back as a guest. But now here you are hosting again. So Look at that. Guy. It's full circle. Yeah. The, the hosting. I was trying to think about this before, you know, as the host of the Fantasy Baseball Awards here. Frank is like um, like a Billy Crystal. And I'm probably, especially with the shirt I'm wearing, I'm probably more like a, um, uh, oh, God, what was the guy's name? I completely forgot. His, the comedian that the no original- one trusts. Is it Ricky Gervais? Ricky Gervais. That's exactly uh, it. I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. I lost it. I'm like the Ricky Gervais. We, keep, He's we, like we the... keep inviting Frank back, and we keep like running you off. I'm running you're... me. Oh, that's exactly right. That's a good. That's a good example. What was the? What were the awards that it was like? Billy Crystal and Robin Williams. What were those? Do you remember those? Whoopi Goldberg. They had the three. They were a part of the thing. 
I have thing. no idea what you're talking about. It's Sorry. too dated. It's way too dated. Uh, but we've got the awards today. I'm very excited about a little bit of news and notes. We'll talk about the wild card. One thing we've got to figure out, though, the award names. Apparently, this is still not figured out. You have this massive, incredible article that's out there that people can check out over on CBS. Go to uh, Scott White's Twitter handle. You can see the article there as well. This is awesome awards with these names. I have a name of one of these awards that is my all-time favorite. I'm very excited. And we'll, you already guessed off-air and you were wrong, so we'll get there. Yeah. It's a lot but we don't have an award name. And apparently last year you guys threw around the breadsticks. You're going to have to explain that oh no, okay so you don't you don't understand our podcast relationship to breadsticks well you know every no. every day during the season we have the player of the night or the oh my goodness gracious player of the day you know yeah choose one um and chris towers came up with the nickname olive garden breadstick for like the obvious choice oh okay okay i gotcha Yes, it's a little too meta. I think that's a little. And too I can't, meta I can't even remember show. the explanation for it, but there's a good. Ex it, it's it's yeah. No, it's kind of convoluted, but it it, it sounds makes, similar it to my host Ricky Gervais thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like we all remember it, but we didn't quite get to it. All right, so something about like nobody takes the last breadstick because so they got free breadsticks refills, you know, but nobody takes yeah. because they're thinking like nobody takes the last breadstick because they don't want to be the rude one. So the, the best players don't want to be rude to the guy that was worse something than Something like that. Something like mm, that. He okay. tells, it, you, you know, you had to be there. You had to be there. Well, what else? Uh, you can't keep going on with this ruse of not having an overall name. Are these, yeah, the breadsticks the, is good. What Frank, about the Scotties? Frank the Scotties out there, but no. Nah, I like the Scotties better. No. no really? I do. I like I the Scotties. I, I think that, well, these are your awards, your <laughs> names that you put together. I think these are the Scotties. Scotty Dubs. Like Scotty Dub Awards. Okay. All right. Well, then we're going to have a bunch of breadsticks. Don't take the last one. That's what we're going to be getting into today. And you have, no joke, 30 of them. So we will be doing a little burning, a little turning, especially probably towards the end. But there are some phenomenal ones in here. And this is going to be a good placeholder to understand the season. But um, mm -hmm. last thing before we get into it, talk to us about the process of all of this. Were there guys that you wanted to make awards for so you made sure you talked about them uh yes. give us the award process yes. here and how the, you did this the award process is i opened last week's awards article <laughs> or last year's awards article excuse me and i think i'm just gonna fill in those categories again because you know they were they were good last year let's just do them again but then i kind of go through every player and make a list that's like i don't know 100 names long of players i'd like to give awards to and then I narrow it down to the 30 or so I, I actually do give awards to. And I realize they don't quite fit in these categories. Let me come up with different names for the awards. And so we end up with some kind of ridiculous ones. But you know, we highlight the right players, which is the important thing. Is there one person that took the longest to try to get going? Was there like one person you were just like, all right, like I'm trying to find the fit and you just right at the end found the fit or did these all, were these all just perfect pegged in? Well, to, to not spoil anything, I will say I really, really wanted to give Corey Seager an award given my history with Corey Seager and him finally delivering on the upside I thought he had, but I did not. He's awardless. 
Just oh, like guess, he'll be in guess real what? life because of that, Shohei Otani. Yeah, well, there's your award. Uh, the award for the guy who didn't get an award for 2023 in the breadsticks. The last breadstick was Corey Seager. That's the go. last breadstick award. There you go. I got it. The All right. That missed out, Mr. Congeniality. So Mr. Breadstick is uh, Corey Seager for the year, who uh, had a pretty good game yesterday. So let's jump into this. I don't have... Um, Frank's uh, magic box with all the good music that can like drum roll and get us set up here, but we can at least jump right in. The 2023 Bread Stickies. Uh, we've got all these awards, and Mr. Scott White, we are going to start with the most valuable hitter of 2023. Simple, straightforward, perhaps a little too obvious with the answer. It's Ronald Acuna. Now, when I hand this award out normally, there is an emphasis on the word value because values we have an easy concept for that in fantasy what they gave you versus what you invested in them uh and, and you invested a lot in ronald Acuna. he was the first overall pick in some leagues not all leagues should have been all leagues but in some leagues should've. he was the first overall pick my initial leaning here was if i was going to put the emphasis on value it was going to be corbin carroll actually who i know was a centerpiece of uh all the champions championships I won. But the reason why I felt like I had to go with Ronald Acuna is because the numbers were just out of so, so beyond what anybody could have anticipated coming in the year into the year. It was, it was perhaps the best rotisserie season ever. Uh, so of course he was the first 40 homer 70 steel guy. We've talked about that a lot. But to, to give you some other numbers that puts it in perspective, he stole 27 more bases than any other 40 homer guy in history. He hit 13 more home runs than any other 70 steel guy in history. This is a number that hasn't gotten enough attention. His 149 runs, the second most for any player since 1949. And he did all this with a 337 batting average that would have led the majors three of the past five years. It was absurd. If you, if you drafted Ronald Acuna, no matter where you drafted him, I don't know how you lost. You should, you should feel incredible shame right now. Uh, cause, cause it was just, it was a season for the ages. That's what I thought about when you did when you did this work because I did something similar like a week or two ago and I did put more of the emphasis on the value perspective of it of thinking all right what was the return I got relative to rounds and even picking Corbin Carroll some would have argued oh well what about this guy who was a twentieth rounder but Ronald Acuna specifically and especially is the type of player that it doesn't matter really where you got him because it wasn't just returning first round or first overall value. It was destroying it. So you can take different perspectives on it. Uh, I did take that Corbin Carroll one, but this is still the right answer because if you want to talk about the most valuable, how many times do first rounders not hit? Or, you know, I think it's like a 70% rate of like return on taking a guy somewhere in the first round and then returning like a 20%, a top two round actual value return he didn't just take his round he destroyed he added rounds to it the value of what he did with the first overall pick was like equivalent to having three first round picks so i buy this one most valuable player for 2023 is ronald acuna that takes us to i think a much harder award 2023's most valuable pitcher Good luck with this, but I think I know where you're going with it. It's Spencer Strider. Again, it feels like ah, I went with the obvious answer. When I tried to, uh, 
figure out who really exceeded expectations. Um, nobody stood out on their own. You could you could have gone like Zach Eflin or Kyle Bradish or somebody like that, but they they were all pretty similar to each other. Uh, the the ones who would fit that description and sort of like Acuna Strider was so far ahead of everybody else, it, at least in in a couple of respects, the two most important, I would say. Spencer Strider had 44 more strikeouts than any other pitcher. And he also had three more wins than any other pitcher. So by virtue of those stats alone, you could you could overlook the 386 ERA. He was uh, incredibly valuable with Spencer Strider. And he was drafted early, but this season took him from being, you know, just one of, I don't know, 10 high-end pitchers, one of 10 pitchers at the being t- drafted at the top to now he's number one. He'll be the number one pitcher for 2024. My only argument with this one, again, focusing on that value perspective, was Blake Snell. Because Blake Snell yeah, was a player that was taken outside the top 100. Because Strider was still like a top five uh, at best, I think, uh, SP. Blake Snell was taken an overall outside the top uh, 100, had a 2.25 ERA, 14 wins this year, absurd strikeout numbers as well, 234. I mean, he, outside of whip, he did everything. This would be my only yeah. argument to to your most valuable pitcher. Yeah, that's a good point. And I guess I the reason I dismissed him pretty early in the process is because I knew I wanted him for some other award, and I try mm. not to double up on awards. But now he would be a good candidate too. Okay, so no, so you're just saying no one's going to walk out with like five awards. Well, no image of all of them. Okay, that's that's not how the breadsticks work. Uh, I almost called you Frank. That's not how the (laughs) breadsticks work, the Welsh. I mean, if I I've been to Olive Garden and I will take multiple breadsticks. I'm just saying, like, I guess you can go one at a time, but like you said, never take the last one. Never take the last one. That's right. All right. Bobby Big Bat Award. This is a guy that I think very much likes breadsticks, so they're going to be appreciative of this. The Bobby Big Bat Award winner for 2023 is who? You know nothing about his diet. I I, I hope he eats a lot of meat, though, because it's Jake Berger. Jake Berger, the Bobby Big Bat Award, and basically the Bobby Big Bat Award goes to an unexpected source of lots of power. And I would say Jake Berger was on... Basically, nobody's radar coming into the season. It wasn't even clear he'd have any kind of role with the White Sox. And, of course, he uh, ended up with the Marlins before the year was done, and that's where he became most consistent with his playing time. Ended up hitting 34 home runs. And not only did he end up with a high home run total, but uh, the exit velocities to match. I believe... Uh, I believe he was in the top five for hardest hit ball. I didn't write down the the exact number. Really high barrel rate too. Yeah. No, I mean, the power's legit. And the way he cut down on his strikeouts after joining the Marlins, well, the the average exit velocity dropped along with that. But in terms of his hardest hit balls of the year, uh, more than half of his top 15 hardest hit balls came with the Marlins. So it didn't seem to cost him much power-wise. I think Jake Berger uh, is a guy whose stock is on the rise. I don't think there's really an argument, not that we would argue any of these. Jorge Soler was one of those, but to your point, like Soler was a good value, but we kind of had had that expectation of big power. I don't think we had the expectation of regular playing time and 30 plus power with Jake Berger. It was so far off the beaten path. Maybe only one other would have been like a Torkelson 
but Berger had more. Berger had more and was bigger, hard hit. So I, I think this makes a lot of sense. This is a pretty unanimous for the Bobby Big Bat. What was the impetus to the name? What was I don't? Didn't we talk about this before? Um, just it does it just like it rolls I, I off the think, tongue. Bobby I think there was. I had a friend in middle school, and we talk about baseball a lot. And this was some kind of like fictional character he made up, Bobby Big Bat. Mm. I, I don't. He was kind of inspired by. Um, What's that, what was that game for Super Nintendo? Backyard King Griffey, baseball. King Griffey Jr. No, Super oh, okay. Nintendo. Go back further than that. Uh, King Griffey Jr.'s baseball, and they all had the players in that all had fake names. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I think it like, stuck with me. It stuck with me all these years. So I think it, it it rolls off the tongue. I have to think like John Dowd, like the fake Barry Bonds and whatever game that was, M MVP yep. or MVP whatever. Like, yeah, that, that stands out to me. But yep. Bobby Big Bat sounds... Bobby Big Bat. Well, they were they were kind of silly names in Ken Griffey Jr.'s. If, if, do you not know that one? Yeah, I, I just don't remember it. So, okay. sorry. I, right. I, I mean, you're the video game historian. All right, so here, Fred McGriff in Ken Griffey Jr.'s baseball for Super Nintendo is D-Crime. Okay. All right, so those are the kinds of names they would... Like, they're real, they have the real character stats and attributes, but then they yeah. give them fake names because they didn't have the players' association. Way to really hide the name on the crime dog. Yeah. That there, there's what there are ones that are, um, they're like teams that are named after like Victorian authors, and some some of the teams have themes like that. And and oh, like Ninja Turtles, like this is Michelangelo and this is Donatello. So I don't know. There was a, the Athletic did an article about it a couple years a couple years ago. I, I suggest you go look that up. It kind of it kind of goes into every team. Okay, I like it. <laughs> I just the uh, Bobby Big Bat. I Bobby still think Big you Bat win, award, but yes. we can do that. All right. Shout out uh, to next Andrew award. The shout out to Andrew. Uh, the Freddie Fleetfoot Award. I'm gonna guess there's a similar history of the fun names here, but the Freddie Fleetfoot uh -huh. Award for 2023 goes to yep. whom? Estia. Let me say the name right. Estiari Ruiz is the winner of the Freddie Fleetfoot Award. Not that anybody doubted he could steal bases but he ended up with 67 of them and it was all he contributed really but it was enough that if you drafted freddie uh, if you draft freddie, i'm going to call him freddie <laughs> if, Fleet, you drafted if you freddie drafted freddie drafted ruiz <laughs> um he, you know he he might have he didn't single-handedly win you a category but he got you a long way there and uh so obviously he didn't lead the majors with those 67 steals ronald acuna led the majors but the gap between Acuna and Ruiz was smaller than the gap between Ruiz and number three in stolen bases. Ruiz was 13 ahead of the next guy. Corey so, Carroll, yeah. Yeah. So Ruiz is the winner of this one. Uh, I think, like you said, the biggest question I had with Ruiz, would, would he be able to hit enough to stay in the lineup to steal all these bases? Would he be moved out because he's struggling with his bat? It never really happened. He just kind of kept being out there. Uh, the power was interesting, and there's a couple players in the minor leagues that kind of look like him from a categorical standpoint, so this makes a lot of sense. Definitely not a league winner, but a category monster for sure. Uh, next up on the awards, the Ace Up the Sleeve Award. So tell us about the Ace Up the Sleeve Award. So... This was somebody who did not appear to be an ace at first, uh, but then became one during the point in the year when it mattered the most. And the winner is Freddie Peralta is an example of that. So 
Freddie Peralta, his first 19 starts this year, had a 472 ERA. His final 11 starts, a 244 ERA, 0.81 whip, 13.2K per nine, and his swinging strike rate was 17%, which would be good enough to lead everybody uh, not named Jacob deGrom most years. I guess Spencer Strider, not not, not Spencer Strider either, but 17% swinging strike rate is elite, elite, elite. And really, it's the first time we've seen that kind of potential from Freddie Peralta since his breakout 2021 season. Good to know he still has it in him. And he won a lot of people championships with that performance in the air. The ace up the sleeve award. And not alluding to him being a cheater because ace up the sleeve would technically be a term of cheating in poker there, Scott. So <laughs> he did this in the right way. Uh, I was completely wrong about Freddie Peralta. I had given up on Freddie Peralta. Mm -hmm. I was a lot just of people did. frustrated with it, done with it. And uh, it all came together. And... I will be a little bit worried still this year buying into whatever high price happens because of really that dominance that he showed in that second half is something that's going to carry over into his value. And once you start putting putting him next to the similar names, I I wonder if I'll be able to bite because I feel like I'm still going to get bit. So a little <clears> bit worried. I don't know about you. The biggest breakthrough. So the, so we got, I think we have a couple versions of this, but the biggest overall breakthrough for 2023 award goes to whom? Kyle Bradish. Kyle Bradish. Now, there were several hitters who went from being uh, terrible to amazing. And maybe some of them will be highlighted in later awards. But I wanted somebody who hadn't really been any kind of entity in fantasy before. And so Kyle Bradish wins this one. Um, he was more like Kyle Baddish <laughs> last year, 490 ERA, 140 whip. But you know, if you listen to the nerds, guys like Eno Saris out there with Stuff Plus, there was a lot to like for Kyle Bradish under the surface. And it came to fruition this year, ended up with a 283 ERA. And it was a 214 ERA over his final 16 starts. So he was kind of an ace up your sleeve, too. Who would you rather have in 2024, Freddie Peralta or Kyle Bradish? Mm, I mean, my gut knee-jerk reaction is going to be Peralta because he has more strikeout upside. But I'll take a closer look at that later. Yeah, I'm, I'm it's, getting it's pretty I'm close. Throwing it at you, I, I kind of yeah. lean Bradish, but that's also my knee-jerk reaction. As uh, you know, digging into the off-season stuff, I, I think it's probably going to also the the differentiating factor is going to be like I still feel like I don't trust Peralta, where Bradish took those big steps. But that's me, maybe me being not fair, and maybe when you really look into it, it's going to be hardcore on one side. But I think those guys are going to be in a similar territory. Let's do one more before the break, and we'll stick with the biggest breakouts, the biggest uh, or the biggest breakthrough midseason edition. So biggest breakthrough. I hope I said that correctly on the last one. Now that I'm looking at that midseason edition award goes to whom? It goes to C.J. Abrams. There were other candidates for this, Tristan Casas, Spencer Torkelson, who you mentioned earlier. But C.J. Abrams went from being a complete non-entity in fantasy, not worth bothering with, to he, he, he became basically must-start. And he did it by making just one change. As a hitter, he didn't improve that much. But he went from stealing nine bases in the first three months, a continuation from his rookie season, where we're like, where are the steals? Nine, days, nine stolen bases the first three months, 38 the final three, 38 steals in three months' time. You could not take him out of your lineup. He ended up with 47 to go along with 18 home runs. Uh, poor on base skills, the batting average is lower than you'd like to, but if you're going to run that much, 
particularly in a roto league, you are you're going to be a fixture in fantasy lineups. You know, I'd also throw out with Abrams. You said he didn't make a ton of changes. There were changes, but look at categorically what he did this year compared to where he was. And then just listen to these are changes, but like listen to just maybe not how big they are. Max EV 109 to 112. That's a pretty good change, but that's not earth shattering. He tripled his barrel percentage, which sounds like an awesome thing I'm saying, except it went from 2.1 to 6.9, added 5% on the hard hit, but that's still only 35%. And he kind of just maintained his uh, XBA to his batting average, which both over the last two years have sat in the same general area. So to Scott's point, I think there are good overarching changes across the board, but none of them ended up becoming elite. And just by stealing bases, he became more and more of a problem. I love CJ Abrams. I love this award. I would have, I don't know, I feel like there's even something else we should give him. I think this is one of those fantasy like MVP type. If you want to talk about value, it's a guy most people could have got off the wire after he was cut and he ends up having an almost 2050 season. It's absolutely unreal. The awards roll on as well as a little bit of a playoff and news look. We got more coming up right after this break right here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The wild cards are wild. It is fun. Playoffs in full throws. Last night, the Rangers, they've got a 2-0 lead after beating the Orioles 11-8. Scott, your guy, Corey Seager, five walks and a pair of runs in that win. And the Rangers are rolling right now. Any thoughts and uh, in, in also fantasy perspective? I mean, Evan Carter continues to be such a monster that's going to be one of those guys where you actually have an award that's dedicated to like the you haven't paid attention in the last, you know, month or two and you're going to miss out on this guy. He's kind of one of those, but I think a lot of us nerds are going to just shove him up rank so much where we're going to be like, "Dang, we could have had value on Evan Carter cuz he's he's doing it in the playoffs." But any thoughts on uh, Orioles Rangers? Yeah, um <clears throat> So Grayson Rodriguez had a terrible outing here on Sunday, five earned runs in one and two third innings. 
He's not alone in that regard. We're seeing a lot of pitchers just get, you know, it's the playoffs and, and it's different stakes. And, and uh, sometimes you're surprised by how things have a tendency to snowball on pitchers that we regard as good. But I don't think this should change anything for Grayson Rodriguez heading into next season. Just to remind you, his 13 starts after being promoted from the minors, he had a 258 ERA. It was very consistent. Less than a strikeout per inning, but the strikeout rate got better as it went on. And the swing strike rate was good the whole time, 13%. So uh, still a lot to like about Grayson Rodriguez, even though his playoff debut was a dud. Let me ask you, That's a, you bring up a good question. How much do you or are you willing to make adjustments off of what happens in the playoff? Guys get shellacked. Guys have a good run. How much of that are you going to carry? And are you more willing to probably carry positives than negatives over into uh, you know your draft rankings? So I don't think you should much. I don't think you should much. I, there are times when it's somebody who who doesn't have much stature in fantasy at all is, is um, more or less a no name. In, Which was Randy Rosarena a couple years ago. Goes. Yeah, that's a good yeah. example. Uh, and, and then they kind of emerge in the postseason, and it's like, okay, we didn't. If 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 this team didn't play in the postseason, we wouldn't think anything of this guy. But we just saw him dominate for um, three, four weeks. So does that change anything? And it forces us to take a closer look at him. It probably gives him a bigger role on his team the following season than it would have otherwise. And yeah, Randy Rosarine is a great example of that. Uh, I feel like Josh Beckett to go way back like 20 years ago at this point for the Marlins, he was, you know, he, he wasn't a nobody, but he hadn't really broken through as a fantasy ace yet and became an ace for the Marlins that postseason and, and became a high end fantasy option from that point forward. Uh, there was the 2020 season, obviously, which was so, so short, 60 games, that I, I feel like what mattered, what happened in the postseason mattered more just because it gave us a bigger sample. And I know, like, Jose Altuve turned things around then uh, after a bad 2020. But, um, but for the most part, it, when you end up elevating somebody because of his postseason performance or downgrading him, it, it ends up coming back to bite you the next year. That is very, very true. Uh, the series all tied up with the Twins and the Astros after Pablo Lopez went seven, struck out seven, no earned runs. Just looked great. And, you know, coming off of this season, uh, he, Pablo Lopez was just such a value all year long. He had a couple moments of just kind of, you know, tailing, coming back up and down. But he ended with a 3 6 a seven ERA, an expected ERA that was better. He was getting more strikeouts. His stuff looked phenomenal. He had three pitches. He used double-digit percentage of the time that had over a 30% whiff rate. And really, he's just carrying this into a clutch spot, which I think there's a possibility that Pablo Lopez could be one of those guys that everyone's like, yeah, he was good and he was fun, but maybe the value isn't shoved up that I'm going to want some more Pablo Lopez and I might have more shares. I could be wrong about that, but uh, any takes yeah. you want to talk <clears throat> on Pablo, Twins, Astros? So, yeah, Pablo Lopez was a victim of the glob like so many pitchers were because there were these extreme highs and lows throughout the season. And the final numbers ended up okay. They act, they weren't that much better than last year when I think everybody kind of soured on him just because of the distribution of those stats. Remember last year, Pablo Lopez started out like a rocket and then um, had a, had a 
very rough time as the season went on, but the final numbers ended up about the same. It was just more hit and miss this year. Because of the strikeouts, he's going to be higher within that glob. He's going to be in the glob for me. I mean, he's still a glob for you? Yeah. Yeah, he's still. I mean, he's one, three. What was the final ERA? 367? 367 with an expected of three, though. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Twenty nine point two percent K percentage, six percent walk percentage. I guess the strikeout good? rate was up quite a bit from last year, ten point yeah. nine versus eight point seven. And twenty three percent last year. The ERA and whip were very similar. Um yeah, I mean at some point he's gonna be he's gonna be higher within the glob, and I still haven't decided exactly where that cutoff is, but I don't think of Pablo Lopez. Like he's somebody in the glob who maybe has ace potential, but I don't think he's established himself as somebody all that reliable yet. I mean, just based on the way his season went. Hmm. Okay. I feel like we need a term for like the just outside the glob names. We can work on that on yeah, the off season because I feel like he's not a glob, but he's also not the ace. He's that he's somewhere <laughs> in between. And there's some name that we can come he's up on with, the but... fence. He's. I don't know. We'll, we'll workshop We'll workshop that. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll workshop it. Uh, also, they didn't play yesterday, but a series, uh, Phillies and Diamondbacks both have a 1-0 lead uh, over the two best teams in baseball, which is a <laughs> wild experiment that's going on. The Diamondbacks mm. absolutely trounced the Dodgers. We had homers from Gabriel Moreno, Corbin Carroll, of course, and yeah. Spencer Strider, as you talked about, took the loss. So I hated uh, his part. It wasn't the Phillies ambushed him in the playoffs last year. Um but he did his part. The Braves got shut out by a combination. It was just something we've been seeing this this postseason too. Is uh, starting pitchers rolling along, you know, three innings, and then they pull them, and that's what happened to Ranger Suarez against the Braves. And it's like, okay, take him out. We'll we'll we're happy not to see him anymore. Um, but then you know they they were able to uh, line up enough relievers that they just continue to shut down the Braves. Got got shut out at home, I believe, for the first time all season. So um, that was disappointing. Hopefully they bounce back here on Monday. I think uh, a guy that will be a leader of the glob, and he's just not exciting to everybody, but Merrill Kelly, he struck out five, went six and one third. He's just an oldie but goodie. He just gets it done, and I think he's one of those guys that's a – backbone of a rotation, even though he will just never be drafted high. Uh, he was phenomenal in that, and he had a good season. He had a really good season uh, for the Merle, the Merle Kellys. A couple pieces, uh, news and notes out there. We got news. This one stinks because I traded for him early in the year on the cheap in uh, an Otno League. Sandy Alcantara is having Tommy John surgery, going to miss all of 2024. And Frank had even put on here, one interesting thing is going to be looking at a guy like Max Meyer that yeah. I love that guy. And we've just, I've kind of thought we might even see him in like the AFL. We didn't, but, um, Alcantara, I don't, there's really nothing to talk about because he's gone and mm -hmm. we kind of move on from that. But you know, where else are they going to find it? Doesn't look like six though, but maybe Meyer's going to be the guy. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure Meyer would have been heavily in the mix next year, regardless, but there's a clear path for all the interesting Marlins pitchers. Now, Edward Cabrera being another, uh, I've tried to wow. acquire Max Meyer from you a couple times in the Scott White Dynasty League. You rebuff. I'm a love. My, I love him. So that's not going to happen. I, I will say for Sandy Alcantara, um, he was having one of those kinds of seasons where he was underperforming and we were perplexed by it. Given this guy's track record, we kept waiting for him to turn things around and it just it kept not happening. Was it the environment? What was going on? A lot of times... 
we see guys like that inexplicable having inexplicably bad seasons and we just can't find a reason for it and and then this ends up happening they have a ligament damage they end up having tommy john surgery so if you're looking for a silver lining in that storm cloud that's it that we might have an explanation now for why alcantara was struggling all season yeah there's a part of me that's going to sit back and be like was it the changes that he was trying to find and fix that then caused him doing different things and got that injury or was that injury always kind of maybe yeah. a lingering thing because i tended to think like his change-up usage was so much different maybe he was uncomfortable doing that with the shit edge of the shift and i just felt like all of that was leading to this bad spot where he seemed to, he's a very smart pitcher tinkering with a lot of different things and maybe that tinkering is caused was what caused the injury I guess it doesn't really matter i guess at the end of yeah. the day but we, we don't know exactly when the timing was you're right about that but it is it is the sort of injury that a pitcher can pitch through for a while and and yeah. it can get worse he can tear it more um so it, it can go undetected for a while is why it's why i bring it up we also found out that kyle wright is having tommy john surgery he's going to be out for the nope. year no, no, it's not Tommy oh. John surgery. It's worse. Oh, is it not? It's worse. It is. What was it? It is worse. He has holes in his shoulder capsule, and what? is having surgery to repair those. Yes, I. How am... do you get holes in your shoulder capsule? Well, you know, he's had the shoulder issue going going back to spring training, and um, I don't know exactly when it was discovered, but. Yeah, and and this like this is worrisome. This is this is not okay. Tommy John, he'll miss next year, but then he'll probably come back good as new. I I don't know that. I mean, hopefully Kyle Wright is able to make it back from this I, full strength, but I have I have serious doubts. And if he doesn't, that twenty one win, twenty twenty two season is going to go down as one of the all time one hit wonder seasons. I mean, you look at his career track record, it's like six ERA here, five ERA there. And he wins 21 games one year. I hope that doesn't happen for Kyle Wright, but uh, I, 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 I'm not, uh, I'm not at ease with the procedure he's having here. I'm not at ease with having holes in your shoulder. I don't. Yeah. Like, why? I think I get like comedic and I'm like they're pouring water and it's just kind of like, I don't understand how that happens. That's even worse than I, I wrote it down wrong. So, okay, that's bad. Holes yeah, he, he is out for all of 2024 though, as, as part of that. That's the main thing. And the good thing that that team has developed is that's probably even a little bit better of a push for AJ Smith Shaver. That mm -hmm. not that, you know, maybe there was going to be an issue with him getting in that rotation, but it's just one more step in Bryce. They like Bryce Elder. So I, I kind of see that as an extra plus for uh, Smith Shaver going into next year. And he might be a nice cheap option. Um, Joey Votto might not be done. Says it might not, it might play another year, even if it is not with the Reds. So it'll just go down as one of those weird things. We're going to see him in another uniform and it'll make us all feel uncomfortable. And they'll be like the Marlins or something. And we'll all be <laughs> kind of grossed out with it. And the Astros yeah. decided to dismiss their assistant GM, Bill Furcus and farm director, Sarah Goodrum. So they are going to retool as the Astros need to retool. They do have a good kid out here. In the Arizona Fall League, uh, Zach Desenzo, very, very nice bat, big bodied, six foot four guy who's playing in the outfield. So maybe keep an eye on. They got a couple good guys. They got a couple good. A Kennedy Corona got hurt out there, but I hope to uh, report back on him soon. Let's do a few more awards and then we will go into maybe a little bit of a rapid fire. The awards move on to the 2023 Fake Out of the Year Hitter Edition. That would be, I'm sorry to say, Sean Murphy. 
Sean Murphy looked like the best catcher in fantasy, at least on a per game basis. He was, you know, he had uh, Travis Darno interfering with his playing time, getting more than the typical backup catcher would. And so that was annoying. But Sean Murphy slashed 306, 400, 599 in the first half. Second half was a different story. Second half, Sean Murphy slashed 159, 310, 275. So the batting average was basically cut in half. The slugging percentage was more than cut in half. Um, if you go to a StatCast page, it's still lit up in red. There's still a lot to like about Murphy. And I know there was a concussion at some point in the second half that he came back very quickly from. And I wonder if, if you know, it was kind of an Anthony Rizzo situation where he came back too quickly from that. Hard to say. I'm not a doctor, obviously, but um, just trying to come up with some kind of explanation for why he fell off so hard. I mean, it could be as simple as he wasn't getting at bats consistently enough and, and just kind of wasn't able to work through that rough patch. Um, but next year, I still think Sean Murphy deserves to be drafted in the top five because of the upside. You know, Travis Darno is going to be a year older. I believe he's going to be 35 next year. It's going to be the older he gets, the the less he's going to interfere with Sean Murphy's playing time. And so uh, I wouldn't lose hope in Sean Murphy, but he certainly was a fake out this year. 306 first half with 17 homers, 159 second half with four homers. That's a bit of a fake out. We were cutting him. We were talking a lot about it every time I was on. We were talking about oh, probably going to cut him for whatever hot, viable catcher is out there. There was no need to hold on, which leads us to the fake out of the year pitcher edition who faked us out on the SPs got to be Andrew Abbott right and we talked about him every start he was let off every time he started he basically kicked off the show um 190 ERA in his first 10 starts up from the minors and you know considering he was putting up these ridic ridiculous strikeout numbers in the minors a lot of people were buying into that okay 190 era we, we found our new ace in the year of the glob all these unreliable pitchers andrew abbott he is the one but we kept telling you eh, i don't know i don't know those strikeout numbers aren't really translating there's a lot in his profile that's uh, not so appetizing and over his final 11 starts 642 era not great not great now you know he was entering uncharted waters with the innings and, and maybe that contributed to the decline. I don't think he's as bad as a 642 ERA, but he's clearly not as good as a 190 ERA either. And it was a big fake out. 2023's biggest underachiever. This is a fun award. And I think this yeah. is a very good answer. Blake Snell. Oh, I'm sorry. You said underachiever. 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 Oh, I was about to say that is not. Oh, okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> well, let's do. Let's do. That's your overachiever. Overachiever. Correct? Yeah. That okay. Makes let's more start sense. there. Yeah. I must not have copied that over. Um, it's Blake Snell, and Blake Snell was the award. I, I had him in mind for this award, which is why I didn't want him for uh pitcher, most valuable pitcher award. So obviously, he's going to be the NL Cy Young. I don't think anybody disputes that at this point 225 era is what it ended up being Statcast says his era should be 374 that's a mm -hmm. big difference a point and a half difference in fact it's the biggest difference for any qualifying pitcher between the actual era and the expected era um and a lot of that has to do with him issuing five walks per nine innings 
I'm not sure we'll ever see a Cy Young winner with five walks per nine innings again. That was ridiculous. Blake Snell's history should also give you doubts about his ability to carry over this 225 ERA. Uh, I would say, statistically speaking, he's the biggest overachiever this year. I think that's hard to argue. I think he, what did he have? Like he logged a total of like seven innings on the seventh inning or later this entire year. I mean, the guy lived into the six, couldn't go any further. It's it's going to be hard to repeat. This is going to be if you are. This will be the don't pay this year for last year's stats guy. That's my award. Don't pay this year for last year's stats award winner will be Blake Snell when we go into uh, 2024. Okay, so the actual underachiever, the biggest underachiever in 2023, I like this one, is whom? It's Vladimir Guerrero. So he had a 374 ex-WOBA, expected WOBA. Uh, it was basically halfway between the... Uh, incredible 2021 where he was the top player in fantasy in the 2022 where he was still very good, but it was disappointing this year. It was, ha it was the ex Woba was halfway in between and yet the numbers were a lot worse. He was even more of a disappointment. So he ended up with a two 64 batting average and a 444 slug that's compared to a 291 expected batting average and a 494 expected slug. I mean, if, if, if that's the year Vladimir Guerrero has, then we're still talking about him as a first rounder, but it wasn't. Should we assume that's, you know, this couple of years now where the production's been well short of expectations? Do those underlying stat cast numbers tell us that we should continue to treat Vladimir Guerrero as a stud bat in fantasy or should we play it a little more cautiously after back-to-back -back years of this um and you know also considering that the, the his incredible season wasn't you know a lot of it came in buffalo a lot of it came in dunedin in florida there's their um spring training site um i don't know i'm i'm gonna play it safe with vladimir guerrero probably make him like a third round target early third round and if he comes through with first round numbers, great. But it's it's kind of a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me situation. I think there's going to be a lot of, should I really be taking Vlad when Christian Walker is still available? A lot of comparisons in value. With no way. The new year. I think there will. Between him and, and Walker, you think Walker is going to be drafted that early? I'm not saying that Walker is going to be drafted ahead. I'm, oh, gonna, okay. I'm, I'm saying that saying. people will yeah. look at Vlad and be like, why do I take Vlad here when I can get Christian Walker later to maybe outproduce him. Yeah, and I was I doing that with Matt Olson this year, so. I stupidly uh -huh. did too, so. Oh, got it. <laughs> Any clip of that where I'm like, I don't need Matt Olson, get Jose Abreu. <laughs> All yeah. right, uh, the Sizzle Reel Award winner for 2023, is this the most exciting player award? Yeah, basically the player who is just a human highlight reel, but he's kind of all sizzle, no steak. And that would Ooh. be Ellie De La Cruz, second straight year. And we've had a freakishly tall shortstop doing dazzling feats of athleticism, just breaking stat cast left and right. And yet the final production, it's not that it was not useful. I mean, Ellie De La Cruz, he had a ton of stolen bases that made him useful, but he hit only 235. And, uh, you know, the last couple months, it was much lower than that, even. Uh, but, he hit the ball harder 
than all but two players. He threw the ball harder than any infielder in StatCast history, and he trailed only Bobby Witt and Spritz Speed. So clearly, this is a tooled-up player with a ton of upside. Um, but will he actualize it next year? He, he's going to get drafted for the upside, but it may, you know, because of the strikeouts, it may end up being a disappointment. It's at least a question whether you should take him as early as he's going to go, which I guess was probably going to be in round three as well. Would you rather have uh, Ellie or O'Neill? Ellie. O'Neal. I mean, O'Neill Cruz is coming back from a significant injury that cost him most of the season. So that's. What if you get a round difference? What if Ellie's in the third and Cruz is in the fourth? I think I'd need two rounds. Okay. Mm, I don't know if I can give it to you. We'll see. Maybe I can, but I <laughs> so think I'm going to be on that. I might drive neither. I don't know. Okay. Well, hey, have fun with it. Uh, I like this one. The one fantasy footballers won't see coming. I did this exact same thing. There's always that time where uh, people dip out of fantasy baseball and they're just not going to have the value quite put in. So we'll, this will be the last one before the break here. Fantasy footballers will not see who coming in 2024. They will not see Nolan Jones coming. Nolan Jones was a league winner this year. In September, he hit 349 with seven home runs and 12 steals. It brought him to exactly 20 homers and 20 steals for the year, despite playing just 106 games. And as you'd expect for somebody playing half their games at Coors Field, good batting average too, 297, even though the strikeout rate is high. Nolan Jones was fantasy relevant at the time fantasy footballers tuned out. But um, he wasn't this. This is like maybe he should be drafted in round three as well. I, I think he's far less likely to than Vladimir Guerrero and Ellie De La Cruz. But that's the kind of upside Nolan Jones showed down the stretch. When we see the uh, projections in the offseason, we're going to ooh and ah. Ladies and gentlemen, half of the awards are out. We've got a whole nother half to go, and it is going to be rapid fire as we go through. <laughs> You're going to find out the one that no one saw coming, Rebuilder's Delight. Mr. Wait Who? And my favorite name of them all. We're going to do it right after this right here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. So I'm a father of what? I gotta find a babysitter. I found care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your child care necessities, check out care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your child care needs. 
All right, Scott, we have got half of the awards to go. We're going to do a rapid-ish fire. I will have less narrative to them, so I will let you speak on it as you will. But uh, we're going to try to go quick. Who is the one that no one saw coming in 2023? Chaz McCormick, who I don't know about you, but I did not see him being anything more than a fourth outfielder type. Rest of his career was already 28 years old. First couple years in the majors did nothing that exciting. Um, but he uh, ended up having a 22 homer, 19 steal season. That, and that was even with Dusty Baker sort of toying with his playing time. Um, over the final four months, he hit 290 with 18 homers, 15 steals, and a 877 OPS. So I would say Chaz McCormick has turned himself into much more than a fourth outfielder type and will probably be drafted among the top 30 outfielders next year. Something like that. Sounds about right. In 2023, the person who Scott would not shut up about, or it is called the one I wouldn't shut up about, is who? Cole Reagans. And if you're a regular listener to this podcast, if you're listening now, you probably are. And you know I want to shut, about, uh, shut up about Cole Reagans from the time he was back in the big leagues at the start of August. All he did in his final 11 starts was put together a 270 ERA 106 whip, 11.6K per nine. And the impetus was this new slider he unfurled after returning from the minors, seemed to bring the whole arsenal together. He he hit 101 with his fastball at one point, so that was a weapon too. It really has five pitches. Um, some control issues that reared their ugly head in September especially. But there's a lot to like about Cole Reagan's. Clearly a lot of upside here and uh, somebody who I'm going to rank very high for next year. I completely agree. Uh, Britney Spears' Instagram gives me anxiety and makes me sad. This player does not make me sad. The Oops, I Did It Again award <laughs> winner goes to who? Christian Walker. Let's go. Your guy. Uh, yeah, he did it again. No, Everybody doubted him? Sort of. Sort of. We were just saying... We were maybe might have been willing to pass up on Matt Olson early to draft Christian Walker later, but that's because people weren't buying into the year Christian Walker had. He was going much later than those numbers suggested. That year, 2022, he hit 36 homers, drove in 94 runs. This year, he hit 33 homers and drove in 103 runs, even at 11 steals to, for good measure. Only weird thing about it, the only reason there still might be cause for skepticism with Christian Walker, who's 32 years old, I'll point out. Uh, the average exit velocity was only 23rd percentile this year compared to 69th percentile last year. So that was a little weird. But the peak exit velocities were still great, what you'd expect from a power hitter. And ultimately, I think that matters more. I agree. A hip, a hop, a hibbit, a hibbit to the hip, hip, hop. Is that where you were going with this? With Rebuilder's Delight, not... Rapper's Delight, which is a great that classic. Is, that is where I was going. And the winner of Rebuilder's Delight is Lane Thomas. Love. So the idea behind this is when you get a rebuilding club, you get opportunities for players who've been passed over by other organizations. Um, you know, they've been around for a while. They kind of missed, the, missed their opportunity with where they were previously, but... A rebuilding team has to fill out its lineup. So somebody like Lane Thomas gets at bats, and occasionally they break through with big-time fantasy production, as Lane Thomas did this year. 28 homers, 20 steals, 101 runs scored, 86 RBI, was a must-start player. Um, 
finished high in the outfield rankings. Didn't hit very well in the second half. The batting average was way down. And so that's, that's reason to be concerned going into next year. But obviously we enjoyed what Lane Thomas gave us this year. I bang, bang, a boogie to up, jug the boogie. It's classic. It's in my classic. head now. This might, this might be the most prestigious award of all of them. If you listen to CBS all year long and you have listened to Scott White talk, this might have the most meaning to everybody. We are about to crown Mr. Glob 2023. This is like a pageant award. Here he is, Mr. 2023, Mr. Glob. Winner is who? The globiest of the glob is Mitch <laughs> Keller. And yeah, he had a lot of competition for this award. But I, I think what makes Mitch Keller so representative of the glob is that um, he would have these disastrous starts amid these brilliant starts. I mean, so some starts for Mitch Keller this year include one and run in seven innings, seven Ks, two and runs in six innings, 10 Ks. Seven shutout innings, 13 Ks. A complete game shutout with eight Ks. Seven innings, two hits, one run. Seven innings, one hit. Six innings, 12 Ks. Eight shutout innings. Another eight shutout innings with two hits. And set. Like, amazing starts. But then amid them, he had four starts where he gave up seven earned runs or more. And so it brought his overall ERA to 421. Yuck, right? If you take out those four starts, where Mitch Keller gave up seven earned runs or more, that 421 ERA goes to 313, along with a 114 whip and 10.1K per nine. So he would have been an absolute stud in fantasy. Um, and uh, I do think, like, there, there's two ways you could look at that heading into next year, obviously. I, I feel like Mitch Keller has made strides into the last few years. And um, because those good starts are the kind only accessible to true aces, I do feel like we could see Mitch Keller take a step in, another step toward becoming that next year. But in this environment where, where you know, the, the shift ban and, and all the other changes have, have caused these bad outings to snowball in this way for so many pitchers, you just wonder how many true aces we're going to get, obviously. I will point out, too, Austin Nola's game log looks a lot like Mitch Keller with these extreme highs and lows. Um, but Aaron, you, but yeah. That'd be very impressive if Austin Nola had Mitch Keller numbers. I would be very impressed. Aaron Nola had a, a game log very much like that. And, but we already considered him an ace, obviously, coming into the year. So, um, you know, Mitch Keller hasn't broken free from the glob yet. I think I mentioned it on here when I was with Corbin Carroll uh, earlier this year in August. I asked him who was the nastiest pitcher he'd face, and he said Mitch Keller. He singled out. He said Mitch Keller's stuff was so ridiculous, even though the results weren't there, because you didn't know what was coming. It wasn't even just the pitches. Is he could pitch from behind you, and you would have a hard time finding what was going. From Mr. Glob to Mr. Wait, who? For 2023 is who? Christopher is who? Sanchez. 26-year-old, no prospect pedigree, uninspiring minor league track record, no reason to care about him, right? Well, in the time he was up, he ended up having what, if he had the innings to qualify, what would have been the second best ground ball rate among starting pitchers, what would have been the fourth best walk rate among starting pitchers. Marlins would love him. And also, he had a couple of 10 strikeout efforts in September, so he showed some some strikeout ability there, particularly with the changeup. Uh, complete no name, 
for most of the year, but he's he's a somebody going into next year is Christopher Sanchez. Mr. 2022's didn't really count award winner is who? Uh-huh. It's Jose Barrios, who was had a scary 2022, 523 ERA, 142 whip, 7.8K per nine. We wondered, is this guy done? Have we seen the last of Jose Barrios as a fantasy asset? Bounced back this year with numbers basically like he was consistently putting up prior to that 2022 season. So it seems like it didn't count for him. Well, on the Mr. No, but it actually did count award winner is who? <laughs> Lucas Giolito, who uh, similar track record to Barrios heading into last year and then had an inexplicably bad season with an ERA near five. It was 490, I believe is what it was. This year it was 488. And what's funny is Lucas Giolito looked like he was back on track for the first three or four months. Like, okay, Lucas Giolito, we can trust him again. It took a 714 ERA in the final two months to bring that ERA up to 488 and basically give him numbers exactly like he had in 2022. So not a lot of uh, optimism for Lucas Giolito moving forward. Long live the DH award winners. Uh-huh, three of them. So Marcelo Zuna. J.D. Martinez, those are two of them. They both appeared to be done as fantasy contributors. Um, but then the D8, they, they were made full-time DHs this year. I think I think Martinez had been in that role primarily last year as well. But Ozuna had spent a lot of time in the outfield. They just stuck up at DH. They just left him there, and they bounced back. Reversed years of decline became... Basically stud hitters. I mean, Ozuna got 40 homers, 100 RBI. Martinez, 33-103 in uh, far fewer games than Ozuna, actually, because he missed some time with injury. They were studs. And then the third is Mitch Garver, who uh, finally got the consistent playing time he needed to shine as a fantasy catcher. He just needed that time to come at DH. And he had a big home run in the postseason already as well. Don't know if the Rangers re-sign him. That's going to be a big question for Mitch Garver heading into next season. But uh, if... Whoever, hopefully whoever does sign him just gives him the DH role and we can enjoy him as a fantasy catcher. This is my favorite award name because it's so out of pocket. I look at it and I just laughed when I saw it. 2023's Biggest Weirdo Award. Mm-hmm. This has been one that's, this has been a standby. Been doing I know, this for I a few years it. now. Isak Paredes is the winner of the Weirdo Award. I think Cal Quantrill was the two-time defending champ. Mm. Uh, but basically just numbers that are really difficult to explain. They're just weird. Uh, Isak Paredes hit 31 homers this year, and he did that even though when you look at his stat cast page, it's it's icy blue. The new bars that they have there, the new version of the sliders, they look like little icicles on his stat cast page. Doesn't hit the ball hard at all, but ends up with 30-plus homers and had a lot of homers last year too. Um It's because, I think, he's so good at pulling the ball in the air. It's a little trick, a neat little trick. But you don't want to be left holding the bag when it doesn't work out one of those years. And particularly with the Rays. I mean, they could pull the plug on his playing time for the slightest offense. And so, uh, for now, Isak Paredes is the biggest weirdo, but I'm not sure it's going to last. All right, rapid fire with these last. We got six more here with very little time. Biggest about face of 2023. Ryan Pepio, we talked about it a lot. He basically went from walking everyone to walking no one this year. 4.4 walks per nine last year, 1.4 per nine this year. 
Strongest Skinny Guy Award. <laughs> this is a fun one. Evan Carter. I, I doubted he would be able, he was physically developed enough to, to provide power when the Rangers called him up, but clearly that hasn't been an issue. You look at him play, he looks like uh, Rick Moranis' character from Spaceballs. The helmet is so big compared to the rest of his body. It doesn't matter. Guy's, uh, guy's doing everything at the plate. Evan Carter. Dark helmet. That's an all-time great reference. I love that one. Everybody deserves someone sometimes. Award winner. You skipped. I one. added to it a little bit. Oh, what did I skip? But that's How okay. I'll, everyone deserves oh, someone I award. Is, it, yeah. is Zach Geloff, who was just a breath of fresh air on, in that dark, dark situation in Oakland and uh, basically emerged as a must-start second baseman with power and speed. And now I also see why you're going to get mad that I was going to skip this. Uh, the Parallelism Award winner goes to who? The Parallelism Award is Michael Harris. He is the of winner of that. As a rookie, he slashed 297, 339, 514. As a sophomore, Michael Harris slashed 293, 331, 477. Almost exactly the same. The stolen base total was exactly the same, 20. The home run total was one off. He had 18 instead of 19. He got about 100 more bats, I will point out. But really, the slash line, the fact that it's almost identical, particularly after that dreadful start he at 174 the first two months, it's pretty, uh, pretty impressive there for Michael Harris. Mr. Vinny Vindication of 2023 goes to a very popular 2024 draft pick already. Who? Royce Lewis, former number one overall pick way back in the 2017 draft. Twice tore his ACL. Missed a lot of this year with an oblique. Everybody was kind of over him. But then he homered 11 times in his last 32 games, four of them grand slams. He's having a big postseason already. Royce Lewis vindicated as a first overall pick. And how high is he going to be drafted next year? We'll see. By the way, I consider Corey Seager for this award. He was almost Vinny Vindication. Gave Ooh, it to Royce okay. Lewis instead. Royce deserved it. Uh, the Magic Weakling Award winner of 2023. <laughs> this is my favorite name. Yeah. So it could have gone to Isak Paredes. It's kind of a similar thing. But if his stat cast page was Icicles, TJ Friedel's. Even smaller icicles. Hard hit rate was fifth percentile. Average exit velocity was tenth percentile. And yet TJ Friedel hit 18 home runs. And he contributed in other ways, which made his him him a magical weakling. 27 stolen bases. Uh, got on base a lot. Played against left-handers more than a lot of the Reds outfielders did. I think it's going to all add up to him being a top 25 outfielder next year, even though he's weak. He's so weak, apparently. Uh, <laughs> finally, the final award, the Launch Angle Revolutionary, is who? Frank would like this one. He talked about it a lot. It's Kid Brian Hayes, who uh, over the final two months, he had a 41.5% fly ball rate. That's compared to like a 30% fly ball rate for his career. He always hit the ball hard, just needed to elevate it better. With that elevated fly ball rate, in the final two months, he hit 10 home runs just in those two months. Gave him 15 for the year as a career high, but 10 over two months' time. I mean, what, that that translates to like a 30-homer season if he can keep it up. I doubt he could keep it up, but hopefully he can at least, you know, show some improvement for the full season, maybe get to 20 homers next year. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility for Keep Brian Hayes based on what he showed the final two months. 30 players. I tried to skip some, apparently. 30 awards, 
all there. Scott, you did a killer job. You can, guys can go over to cbssports.com slash fantasy. Look out for the handing out awards for 2023 if you want to read the article that Scott put together. All the award winners are done. And as uh, Scott said, uh, Corey Seager was probably Mr. Irrelevant that was just missed, but we gave him the breadstick, you know, the, the last one. The breadstick of the breadsticks, yes. Yep, the breadstick. He was the last breadstick that we took out. That is going to do it. We're going to wrap there. Thank you guys for hanging out with me. Thank you, Scott, for your great work. For Scott and myself, the Welsh, thanks as always for tuning into Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow or the next day or whenever the days are. I think it's the next day. But we'll be back again. Talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wayne, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus.